Hey, my name is Paul Mumo. I'm the lead pastor here at Genesis Church. And one of the things that I love about this church is that while we are a big group that meets in a room like this on Sunday mornings, it's more than just what happens in this room. That we are a church of kids and students, and we are one big family here at Genesis Church, and we love it. We're grateful for what God is doing here. And four or five times a year, uh, we do, well, this family service where everybody kindergarten on up comes into this room together. We get a little crazy. Uh, we're going to celebrate some baptisms today. I'm going to share with you here for just a few minutes, but uh, we love when we get to do this together. And again, it's been a great summer for our church. As Leah mentioned uh, a moment ago, we were able to host Spring Hill Day Camp for a whole week. Kids, I need to hear from you if you were at Spring Hill Day Camp this summer. Get your hand up in the air. Give a shout out if you were at Spring Hill Day Camp. It was a good time, right? It was a week of fun and chaos and learning about Jesus, and those are always a good mixture. How many of you served at Spring Hill Day Camp, whether as one of our counselors in training, uh, maybe you helped prepare a meal for volunteers, or you hosted a counselor uh, in your house? We've got some hands that are going up around the room. Let's give them thanks for doing that, for serving this summer. We were also able to take our high school students to a great conference called MOVE. Uh, this year was held at uh, Bowling Green University uh, in Ohio. Any high school students or leaders, we had a lot of volunteer leaders that went, get your hands up in the room. Uh, I know high schoolers, it's not as cool to put your hands up, just put them up anyway. But leaders too. Uh, took off and went to, to move with our high school students. That was a great event. And then we had mix. I'm sporting my mix shirt today. How many of you middle school students went to mix or leaders? Get your hands up. Good times, good times. Let's just clap for no reason at all, right? Good. We got some pictures here on the screen too. And uh, again, we had so many middle school students, so many high school students and leaders that attended these great events. Mix was held at Indiana Wesleyan University. It was the third time that I've been able to go along. And I'll just tell you this, I always go planning on being uh, one of the helpers. And, and what I find is God takes me to Mix to encourage my heart and to encourage my faith. And uh, I always enjoy uh, the week with our students. And the reason why we do these events, uh, the reason why we have a Gen Kids ministry, the reason why we have a, a, a student ministry is because we like to have fun. All right, it's important to have fun and, and we want to have a lot of fun together, but also because these great opportunities, which we've been showing you some images of, are another chance for our kids and for our students to grow in their faith in Jesus. And you're going to see some of the evidence of what God is doing uh, in the lives of kids and students here in just a few minutes as we're going to baptize. I think between Noblesville and Carmel, we have 14 or 15 people that are being baptized today. Uh, we've got an adult, but we've got a lot of kids and a lot of students that are getting baptized. And so we're going to do that together uh, in just a few minutes. But there's one more thing that makes these events like Spring Hill and Move and Mix special. Uh, events like these not only grow our students uh, and their faith in the Lord, but they also play a big part in growing our Gen Kids community here. Uh, they play a big part in, in our student community and, and just the family that's coming together around our middle school ministry and our high school ministry. And I can't tell you how important that is. I, I had the privilege of growing up in a church in central Illinois 
way. And while my parents played a huge part in my faith development, I'd point to time spent in, in Sunday school and eventually middle school and high school ministry, uh, those, those experiences, being with those students, like forever changed and impacted my life. And I'm always going to be grateful for the men and women that taught my classes on Sunday morning and those men and women that volunteered in our student ministry. I owe a lot to our student pastor, my student pastor growing up, who spent so much time investing in me. And I'm thankful for all the friendships that I developed in things like these Gen Kids classes in middle school and high school, these friendships that I developed before I went off to college. Like, we supported each other. Uh, we were there for one another. We attended each other's weddings, you know, as we got older and got married. And, and I'm just so grateful that God put these people in my life to help me navigate some really important formative years. So here's what I want to say. Kids, if you're not connected to our Gen Kids ministry here at Genesis, I want to encourage you to get plugged in with what's happening around here. There are so many good things uh, that are going on in Gen Kids right now. Students, if you're not connected to our middle school ministry or high school ministry, I'd challenge you to get plugged in. Uh, there's great things happening in GSM right now, and you may not think you need it, but you know what? Someone might need you. All right, and so your leadership and your participation there could make all the difference for someone else. And then I would just say to moms and dads, like encourage your kids to get involved in what's happening around our church. We've got some great leaders and Leah Golland and Jose Torres and many others that volunteer their times. And so we'd love to help uh, your kids get plugged in so they can be a part of, of this family here at Genesis. And again, we're gonna celebrate baptisms in a moment, but before we do, here's what I wanna do with this time. I'm gonna take the theme that was used to both move and mix this summer, these conferences, and I wanna share uh, from it today for just a few minutes. And the theme for the summer was just simply this, Jesus for all, forever. All right, Jesus for all, forever. And it comes right out of John chapter three, verses 16 and 17. And I'm going a little old fashioned today with the whiteboard, but John three, 16 through 17, uh, if you have your Bibles with you and if you want to follow along. And many of us know John 3, 16, all right, but the verse that we're maybe not as familiar with that's equally as important is the one that comes after at verse 17. But let's read it together. We've got it here on the screen, beginning with John 3, 16. If you'll read it out loud with me. For God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. And we're going to talk about how awesome those words are in just a moment, but let's first discuss a little what's happening here in John chapter 3. John chapter 3 describes an encounter between a guy by the name of Jesus that you probably know and another guy by the name of Nicodemus. And you might not be as familiar with Nicodemus, but while Jesus, we know, was the Son of God, Nicodemus was what is called a Pharisee. And he was a Pharisee living and operating around Jerusalem. And if you've ever read the stories, uh, of, or in the Gospels, if you've ever read the stories of Jesus, then you probably know a thing or two about the Pharisees. Uh, the Pharisees, again, were religious leaders in Israel around the time of Jesus. They were very well educated, especially when it came to things like the Old Testament, but they had a reputation. And part of their reputation was that they were these strict rule followers, kind of like watchdogs, uh, notorious for catching people breaking the rules 
disciples of the faith. And for most of them, they were pretty threatened by Jesus. That is, they were at least annoyed by the way that he taught. Now, why? Well, Jesus introduced a new, fresh way of thinking about life and God. He talked a lot about love and, and grace and forgiveness, and he cared about the Bible, you could say, as much as the Pharisees did. The only difference is that Jesus understood it a little differently uh, and even better. But, but the Pharisees weren't all bad guys either, all right? And sometimes they get a bad rap, but they weren't all bad guys. They were, they were just trying to figure out life, as many of us try and figure out life. They wanted to know God more intimately. Uh, they were hoping to understand God better in different ways and, and trying to, to get a better grip on why they were here in the world. You could call them spiritual seekers. Again, many of them were just looking for answers to some of life's greatest questions, really not much different than any of us. Again, just trying to put all the pieces together. And when you think about it, again, that's what's true for many of us today and maybe true for some of you, that you've got some questions about life, all right? You, you know, especially in the last couple of years, you know, trying to figure out how it all works together and why we're here and what it all leads to and, and what's on the other side. Like you could, you could say that we've, we've all got big questions, you know, where we're all looking for solutions to some of the problems that are before us and before others. I had a big problem come up this past Sunday night. Last week, Sunday night, 8 p.m., our refrigerator went out, all right? And there's a couple of reasons why that was a big deal. Number one, it's Sunday night. What are you supposed to do on Sunday night when your refrigerator goes out? Secondly, I was supposed to get on an airplane and head to the airport around 4.30 in the morning, and so I'm just freaking out. My wife, she wasn't worried at all. Like, she had it all together. I'm about to lose my mind. And so we're, we're trying to come up with a plan B. We're filling coolers full of ice. You know, we're packing food and all of our drinks into these coolers. But again, I'm just thinking to myself, this isn't sustainable. Like, I'm, I'm going out of town. I'm not going to be back till Wednesday. Again, my wife is as cool as the other side of the pillow, right? I mean, not bugging her at all. Well, 10 o'clock rolls around. We happen to get on Craigslist and see that there's a refrigerator for sale in Fisher. And so why not? I text the guy at 10 p.m. on Sunday night. Your refrigerator's still available? Sure enough, he writes back, yes, it is. And so then this is when I've got to be really careful with my words. I write, I promise I'm not crazy. I know it's Sunday night at 10 p.m. I've got cash. I played the pastor card. I'm a pastor. Is there any way I could come get the refrigerator right now? A couple minutes later, he writes back, sure, meet me at my storage unit. Was it dangerous? I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I could have lost my life. But I needed a refrigerator. So my son Joel and I were in Fishers at 10.30 p.m. We're pulling into this, this storage unit. I meet the guy. There's the refrigerator. We load it up in the truck. We take it home. About 11 o'clock at night, my wife is helping me carry our side-by-side -side refrigerator out of the house. She's tough. She might play the keyboard. You might think she's innocent, but she's got some guns, all right? And so, so we carried that refrigerator out. We carry the other one in, all right? It's midnight when we're finally plugging it in. We're loading up this new refrigerator again. Problem solved, you know, and I'm going to the airport just a few hours later. But there are bigger issues in life, right, than just worrying about a refrigerator. First world problem, you know, if you, if you agree. But we've all got questions we're trying to answer. We've all got problems we're trying to solve. And, and some of those questions, again, have become even more critical in the last couple of years. Like, chances are you've asked yourself 
some questions about life and and death and what's on the other side. Maybe you've wrestled with questions about a, a creator or, you know, God or even Jesus and, you know, what's he like and is he for real and, you know, and what does he mean to me? Nicodemus had similar questions, all right? He was thinking about these things. And again, he's a Pharisee and so he knows a lot about God and the Bible or so he thinks, but something's troubling him. Like he's tormented by something, and I think he wonders if Jesus might have the answers or could Jesus be the answer. And so Nicodemus, all right, our Pharisee, he goes to Jesus late one night. Now, why at night? People often ask, like, why did he go to him at night? Well, maybe Nicodemus was trying to protect his reputation because, again, he would have had some friends that were anti-Jesus. It's also possible that both Jesus and Nicodemus were really busy, all right, and so the, the only time they were able to meet was in the evening. But I like this one. Some scholars believe that Nicodemus and Jesus already had a friendship, they had already spent significant time together, had many conversations, and so it's possible that they're just getting back together to carry on some of the same conversations after a busy day. And that's one of the really cool things about Jesus. Like, he wasn't annoyed with Nicodemus' questions. Like, he realized that Nicodemus needed some time in order to put all the pieces together, and Jesus was willing to make that time for him. Let me just say something to some of those of you that are here today, and maybe you don't normally attend church. Uh, maybe you're a person, you've got a lot of questions about life, but again, you're not sure where God fits into it. Maybe you'd call yourself an agnostic. Maybe you'd call yourself something like a an atheist, but maybe you're curious. Again, you've got some questions. I want you to know that Genesis is a great church for people who have questions. Like, you don't have to have it all figured out to be here with us on Sundays. You don't, you don't have to have answers to all of the questions, you know, before you come. You could say that you can belong here even before you believe. Jesus was patient with Nicodemus. He'll be patient with you. We want you to know that we're, we'll be patient with you too. And if you've ever really wanted to get to know Jesus, to understand him or to know more about him, we're going to spend the next month here at Genesis talking about Jesus on Sunday mornings, and we'd invite you to come and be a part of that with us. But again, Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night, all right? And you can read this for yourself again in John chapter 3. The two of them likely pick up from a previous conversation as Nicodemus really begins to open his heart to Jesus, and he's asking questions. Again, we're going to use our imagination here a little bit, but I can imagine Nicodemus asking questions as he's trying to better understand God and, and life and where he fits into it. Uh, maybe he's dissatisfied, you could say, realizing he'd been looking for satisfaction in all of these different things, but nothing could satisfy. I, I wonder, again, Nicodemus was a real person. Did he have some guilt or some pain from his past that he's been dealing with? And at the same time, I think Nicodemus was probably asking questions about death and what's on the other side of it all. Again, fair questions. We all think about these kinds of things. That's where Nicodemus is, and thankfully Jesus is there with him. And he's listening patiently and asking good questions of him. And so their conversation continues. And then Jesus shares these incredibly important words with Nicodemus, words that are going to change Nicodemus' life, words that have changed many of your lives and my life, words that have the potential to change any life. Let's look at him again. John chapter 3, verse 16, Jesus said to him, Nicodemus, for God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son, so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. The message of this is just that God sent Jesus. 
You know, God was the one who sent his son. He sent his only son into the world. And Jesus, he shows us how to live. You know, Jesus died and, and, and paid the price for your sins and, and for mine. I mean, Jesus died for all of the hurt and pain in this world. And God raised Jesus to life after his death so that we might know that there is nothing too difficult for our God. Like there, there is no life too complicated. Uh, there is no reputation that is so ugly. There are no sins that are so great. There are no questions that intimidate him whatsoever. The beautiful thing about these words is that they remind us that God's love is greater than anything. And these words remind us that Jesus is for all and he is forever. And verse 17 is really the exclamation point of the promise of verse 16. Again, here's what Jesus said to him. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Again, God sent Jesus, not as a plan B. All right, Jesus was always going to be the answer, and he is the answer and the solution to Nicodemus' questions and needs and problems, and I can tell you today that he is the answer to anything and everything that you have ever gone searching for. Let me describe it for you this way. I, I think no matter who you are, no matter how long or new you might be uh, to church, I think we'd all agree that we live in a broken world. I mean, isn't it true? Like, you don't have to even be a religious or a spiritual person to agree with this, that we live in a broken world. I mean, if you just think about the last couple of years and you think about the war and the violence that we've seen in our world, uh, when you think about the sickness and, and the pain uh, in the death that is evidenced in our world. There is certainly lots of evidence of hate in our world, anxiety and fear and brokenness. Again, pain and death, all of these things. But interestingly, that's not the world that God created because we believe that God created a perfect world and he created this world out of his love and in creating this perfect world, he created people, people just like you and me, and it was God's desire that we would live in this perfect relationship with him, that he would be a good father to us, and that we, his children, that we would depend on him, and, and we would turn to him for all of the things that we need. But here's what's happened. We rebelled. And in our humanity, we decided that maybe God was holding out on us, that there certainly had to be more. And so we, we turn away from God. It's something uh, that Jesus calls sin. And sin is just rejecting God's promises. It's choosing to go our own way. And so we turn and we enter into this world and this life. But, but something happens at some point for every single one of us. And that is that we go looking for ways to deal with this brokenness to deal with this hurt and this pain. And so we start searching, all right? We start seeking satisfaction or answers in so many different things. I mean, just think about some of the things that we, we turn to and, and how easy it is to, to turn to things like a, a career. You know, I'm, I'm gonna put all of my efforts into something like my career. I'm gonna put all of my efforts into my schooling and, and the goals that I might have for myself. We will we'll turn to things like just simply the pursuit of money and possessions that if I 
can just make this much money, if I can get this big of house, if I can have this many acres, well, then maybe I'll finally be satisfied. It's, it's easy for us to go looking for satisfaction and to fill our needs in, in love and in relationships. And whether it's a romantic relationship or a relationship uh, with your kids, we'll, 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 turn to, we'll turn to things that are very destructive. We'll, we'll turn to things like alcohol and drugs and uh, that can quickly become addictions that, that, that seek to ruin us and to ruin the relationships. And what we ultimately find, again, is that none of these things satisfy. We are broken people living in a broken world. But here's what our God did for us. See, our God, His plan all along was Jesus Christ. This is the message of John 3, 16 and 17. And so God sent his son Jesus into the world. And Jesus lived like no man had ever lived before. He lived life the way it was intended to be lived. He gave his life on the cross. And he paid the price for all of this brokenness and all of this pain and this hurt. And then three days later, God raised him from the dead and brought him back to life so that he could defeat this pain and this brokenness and this sin once and for all. But here's where you and I find ourselves. We find ourselves here with a choice. We have a choice to make. Nicodemus had a choice to make, and that is just simply this. Will I trust God, all right, for all of the things that he has for me, for all of his promises and the life and forgiveness that he offers me, or am I going to try and figure it out on my own? Am I going to reject the promises of God? Well, thankfully, again, God has offered us this way into a new life through his son, Jesus Christ. And what he tells us as we turn to him, as we trust him for life, that he forgives our sins, uh, that he gives us hope. And one of the glorious things about Jesus is that he declares us new. We are new in Jesus Christ as we turn to him and as we trust him. Again, this is the message of John 3, 16 and 17, that God so loved the world that he gave us Jesus, that he offers us a way out of this brokenness and into a new, restored, redeemed life with him. That's the good news. And that's the good news that has changed so many lives here in this room today, including the students that are going to be baptized in just a moment and others. Like these, these individuals have put their trust in Jesus Christ and again received his forgiveness and are ready to follow Jesus. Baptism is a physical symbol of what's taken place in a person's life. Jesus is declaring them new and transformed and alive and ready to follow Jesus. And that's the cool part about following Jesus, that not only in following Jesus are we made new, but when we make that decision to follow Jesus, what Jesus invites us to do is he invites us to go back into this world of ours as new, as forgiven, restored people and be kingdom workers, all right, to make sure that others know and experience the good news of Jesus too. Where do you see yourself in this illustration? And that's about as good of an artist as I am. But, you know, just where, where do you find yourself in, in, a, in, a, in an example, a demonstration like this? And what does Jesus mean to you? What does Jesus mean to you? My, my sister-in-law lives in northern Indiana with her family. 
And uh, she just happened to look out her front window the other day and noticed a teenage boy who she didn't recognize ran into the yard of her neighbor, stole a bike, and took off on it as fast as, as he possibly could. She couldn't believe it. Again, he just grabbed this bike and, and he took off. And so she pushed open her door as fast as she could and she yelled from the porch, hey, that's not your bike. You know, bring that back here right now. And by the way, my sister-in-law doesn't mess around, all right? I mean, she's tough. If she yelled at me to come back, I would turn around immediately and, and go back to her. Well, she was pretty upset. Right? She was pretty upset by seeing this. There was nothing she could do. And so a little bit of time passed, and she decided that she was going to go out on a bike ride just to cool down. And so she was on this trail by her house, a trail much like the Monon, and she was about 15 minutes away from her house, and wouldn't you know it, she ran into the kid. She saw him. She knew him. She recognized him right away, and uh, so she went up to this kid. Again, this is no joke at all, and again, being a strong, confident woman, she jumped off her bike. She pointed at the kid, and she said, I know who you are. She said, I saw you steal that bike, steal a bike out of my neighbor's yard just a few minutes ago, and he denied it and said that it wasn't him. She said, no, you don't don't lie to me. I know it was you. Like, I remember it was you. You took that bike. Where's the bike? Because he didn't have the bike with him. Well, he finally gave in and said, well, I ditched it a few minutes ago. It got a flat tire. And she looked at him and said, okay, here's what we're going to do. She says, we're going to go get that bike and we're going to walk it back to my neighbor's house. And if you don't do it, I'm going to call the cops. Well, he was scared enough that he finally gave in. And so they started walking together. And again, this was about a, a 15 minute walk uh, or so that they're making together. Here's something cool about my sister-in-law, Sarah. She's given her life to Jesus Christ. Jesus has changed her life and her whole family. And as she was walking with this boy, she finally said to him, she said, hey, what's your name? And the boy answered him, and I'll just call him Matthew. And Sarah said, Matthew, do you know that the family you stole that bike from is going through a divorce right now? Like, they got enough going on in their lives. Like, the last thing they need is for one of their bikes to disappear. And then she said to this to him, she said, Matthew, do you know who God is? And he kind of stumbled around for a while, and he said, yeah, you know, I know him. And, and she said, well, do you believe in God? And he said, yeah, I think I believe in God. And then she said something like this to him. She said, Matthew, I know God. He's changed my life. And I know that God wants us to choose to do the right things. And taking back this bike is the right thing to do. But do you know what else about God, Matthew? She said, I also know that this is a God and he is a God of love and he's a God of grace and he loves you and he cares about you and he's able to forgive you. And so Matthew, I'm gonna do the very same thing for you. In fact, if you promise me that you will never do anything like this again, I'm not gonna tell anyone, I'm not gonna call the police, I'm gonna do for you what God has done for me and what he will do for you. And so they took the bike back and they dropped it off in the yard and then she said to him, she said, Matthew, are you hungry? Have you eaten in a while? And he said, no, I haven't, I'm pretty hungry. And she said, well, why don't you come with me across the street and I'll make you some lunch. She did. She took him over to her house. They finished lunch. And then as he was ready to leave, he reached out to shake her hand to say thank you. And she said, Matthew, can I give you a hug? And she, he said yes. And she gave him a big hug. And then he walked off of her porch and walked away. And you could say that Matthew encountered the grace and love of Jesus through my sister-in-law, Sarah. And it's the same love and grace the same love and grace that Jesus offered to Matthew through Sarah is the same love and grace that Jesus offers to each of us. 
You know, again, the message of John 3.16 is that God so loved the world that He gave His Son, Jesus Christ. And the key word is that everyone who believes in Him will not perish, but have eternal life. Nicodemus had a choice to make, to choose to trust, to believe in Jesus. Again, you're going to meet some individuals in just a moment as they're baptized. These are individuals who have made the decision. They have chosen to believe in Jesus, to put their faith and trust in Him. What about you? What about you? And Jesus offers that very same love to you. Have you responded to Him? Have you responded to His love and grace? Will you believe? Let's pray. God, we thank you for your amazing love and for your amazing grace that is greater than anything we could ever hope for or ever imagine. And we pray that the power of your love, the message of your love would be known here and clear to everyone that is seated in this room right now. God, thank you for what you're doing in our church. Thank you for what you're doing in the lives of so many in our kids' ministry, our student ministry, and for the rest of us, Lord, and how we're going to see a demonstration of that in just a moment as people come to be baptized. You make this possible. Jesus, you've made this possible, and we are excited to celebrate your new life today. But keep doing your work in each of us to be... Uh, extenders of that love and grace to others, but for some here today that maybe need to receive that love and grace, that maybe today's the day that they turn, turn to you, that we turn to you and trust you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.